Would you say that you prefer the underground? to Booted Sisters. I'm Sarah and I'll be joined by my sister Rachel. And in today's episode, we have another one of our siblings as a guest. So we recorded this episode with our sister Becca and we had a really good time rehashing some things and chatting about life. So I will let you all listen to that. And as usual, please check out our Instagram at Booted Sisters for some photos to accompany your listening. Enjoy the episode. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm waiting for Rachel. Sorry, once it started. Well, okay. So my my goal with this one was <laughs> to see like how long Becca could talk and like see if it's a close enough voice that nobody notices for like <laughs> so, 20 seconds. All right. I'm keeping this in. Hi everyone. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel's already announced we have our sister guest, Rebecca. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Becca's our youngest sister or younger sister. So she is kind of rounding out the younger sibling guests because now we've had all four of the youngest. Lower crust. <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> but to Rachel's point, I do think like maybe the three of us have the most similar voices. I kind of think I was gonna the- say, I don't know between the two of you which one I'd be more confused with. I think you and I, but apparently Rachel thinks you and her. Yeah, I get compared to Becca the most and phone calls. That's the one that that people get. Well, I guess in the days when you didn't know who answered phones or whatever, <laughs> but like that's the one that people guess if I like lived on the prairie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I get for, for looks and voice, I get compared to Becca the most. I think we all have. I mean, like, Rach, we started this podcast thinking, oh, I wonder if we sound too similar to be on a podcast since we like our sisters, but we clearly talk differently. And I think you and I sound different enough, but it's interesting because I think we both get compared to Becca, but again, we all talk differently. So I'm guessing that it's not that confusing, but we should think of a sentence that each of us should say in a row right now. And then the (laughs) listeners can tell us who sounds the most similar. (laughs) I think that's the question though, is like, we perceive ourselves as talking differently, but I don't know if that's like a universal to outside. We definitely, Rachel, I edit this podcast. You and I talk very differently. (laughs) Again, like we would hear it, but I don't know if everyone hears it. I don't know. Everyone tell Rachel you hear it. (laughs) I do know that I say literally and like way too often. We can't get into Um, what people say too often. It's just too hard. (laughs) Then we like- then you just start overthinking, just talking and the concept of talking, and then it gets stressful, but okay. No, for real. I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, Becca, think of a sentence that we should all say. Are you sure you want me to pick? (laughs) Okay. So I can't do an accent though. I have to do my normal voice. (laughs) Normal voice, please. Peanut butter and fluff are adorable. Peanut butter and fluff are adorable. Peanut butter and fluff are adorable. All right. We'll move on. Uh, listeners, let us know who sounded the most similar. Um, and Becca, well, let's tell everyone who Peanut Butter and Fluff are. Peanut Butter and Fluff are my cats, my children. Um, they don't look anything alike except for the fact that their colors are reversed. So Peanut Butter is like a striped tabby and she's 
like orangish brown and then she has white spots and then fluff is the reverse she's white but she has little orange spots and we like to joke that every day she gets a little more evil because a little more peanut butter leaks into her fur and she gets a little <laughs> more orange every day obviously yeah, peanut yeah. butter is the 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 more evil cat by yeah, nature she's the menace she's quite bad <laughs> How, how have they been doing today? Any stories? Always stories. Fluff has taken to climbing into my blinds and then up on some of the tiny ledge on my window and then climbing to the other side where she gets stuck and then cries for a while. And she likes to do that, especially when I'm in the middle of a meeting and like can't move and have my camera on. So that's always good. Nice. That's a just, good time. Yeah. She <laughs> just screams. She just screams all the time. <laughs> just constant. Does Fluff do that thing like when she gets somewhere like that she just needs attention for like look where I am now like I've totally climbed all the way up here and I need your attention immediately for doing this she also has her own cry hers is like softer and it's much more just like mom I want you to be a part of this moment whereas peanut is just (laughs) bad (laughs) (laughs) um so Becca, you got peanut butter and fluff, like you adopted them when you were still in college, but you started mm-hmm. by fostering them. So I know typically that's called a foster failure. What would yeah. you say about that? Cause <laughs> I, cause you kind of went in planning to fail, right? Yeah, no, I knew I was going to fail hundred <laughs> percent. I knew that I was kidding everyone and myself by saying that I was just going to foster. I would call it a foster success in my eyes because I fostered to adopt and it worked out that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think they call it a fail because, uh, you know, then that's one less person fostering, but you were never going to be fostering cats all the time. I wasn't. From the start, I wasn't. Like, technically, as part of the process, we were supposed to be posting pictures of the animals that we were fostering um, on this Facebook page to, like, try to, like, you know, advertise them a little and get an adoption out of it. And I just refused to post. I was like, I don't want anyone else to know about them. You're like, they are too young to consent and I don't feel comfortable posting them. I blur out their faces. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they're the best. It's so funny. Like, it's um, it's crazy to imagine you ever not having had them like it feels like they're an extension of you it's very strange to think about that for sure especially because like everything because I work from home full-time so I'm around them all the time so literally it's like being a stay-at-home mom my world kind of revolves around them so (laughs) thinking of a time pre-pb and fluff is weird Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we forgot to start with our very important question that we've asked all our sibling guests. So we, Rachel and I, as this podcast are the booted sisters. Do you, Becca, consider yourself to be a booted sister? I do consider myself to be a booted sister. Um, or rather, I guess I'm soon to be one in the literal sense. Um, I, oh no, it's, it's not that exciting, but I'm getting boots, <laughs> new boots. Nice. That's be usually what boots. we're talking about too. <laughs> it always comes back to like actual boots. Like every time we try to make this like cute and come up with new ways and it's just boots every time. <laughs> well, they're, um, they are a present for mom and dad for my new job. So I'm very excited about, it. I'm picking out some fancy, like authentic cowgirl boots. So. I was gonna ask. Okay, but wait. Does this mean that they need to send it to me first, or that I can be sure? Yes. <laughs> That's exciting. Do you know? Like, are you getting a fancy color or anything like that? I like have not decided. I'm incredibly indecisive in general, but when it comes to fashion, <laughs> it takes me forever <laughs> to make decisions. So I've been between like two styles and three colors for like a week now. I've still been. 
Nice, nice. It's good to make slow decisions like that. I like um, to take my time. Rich, do you think this podcast has ever been confused for like a fashion podcast just by the name? I never once thought about that. Healed sisters. Definitely not. But like, if you just saw the name, you know, I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I I, I think the the like logo doesn't look fashiony at all. No, um, not, you know, not even really close. not be paying attention. Um, but yeah, I guess if people took it super literally kind of like we do like we do (laughs) (laughs) I bet Um, you differ actually I think the logo screams Vogue so I can see it easily being confused thanks um (laughs) do you consider yourself to be booted in any other way honestly not really I don't think I know like some of the other other siblings have talked about it in different senses but I don't ever feel like I've felt particularly like socially booted in any respect I felt like I've always had like at least one sibling that I've been really close with or vibed with never felt like exiled in any and I have yeah. not been booted out of a movie theater before so. <laughs> yeah John talked about that a lot as far as like the middle child thing and he was the like oldest of the youngest um and I think you are one of the well I don't know I feel like all four of you are tied for talking about this the most but do you want to talk about the upper crust lower crust situation <laughs> that you've already referenced <laughs> More than happily. Um, so lower crust is the lower half of our siblings, so the youngest four. So that would be John, myself, Jack, and Sam. We officially named our group chat lower crust, so it is <laughs> it's official, ladies and gents. But yeah, so then upper crust would be the remaining upper four. Um, <laughs> and it's a fun um, analogy to use, just one in reference to food. I'm um, being able to use phrases like burnt crust when um, something happens that would affect millennials. <laughs> so did this have anything to do with like the layers of the earth or is it just food like I've always been kind of confused by the term crust I guess mm-hmm. we're kind of getting to it now but I was always thinking like you know the, the layers of the earth kind of thing it's that but also I see it as pizza crust <laughs> <laughs> I thought isn't upper crust just like a more general term of like fancy or something yeah maybe you guys didn't make that up right I don't know who started it. I just, someone in the younger four started saying lower crust. And I said, I'm a part of that group. (laughs) That is my gang. (laughs) I thought upper crust was like a term. I just Googled upper crust, but it's just showing me a bunch of pizza restaurants. (laughs) Yeah. Upper crust is like a higher social class. So like highbrow. Yeah. Yeah. So lowbrow. Yeah. Like, I don't know that lower crust is necessarily a term. I think somebody started saying upper crust. My guess is Jack. (laughs) (laughs) And then lower crust came as like the opposite. Um, (laughs) But I don't think it's about crust. (laughs) It's not as scientific as chip theory, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like compared to John, so like the dynamic was that like I was, for whatever reason, always felt pretty included with the like older four, even as we were pretty young. And then John started feeling, oh, like he's exiled or whatever. I think we talked about that quite a bit. This isn't John's episode, but, <laughs> you know, the board games, et cetera, et cetera. But like, what did you do? You, what do you remember of that dynamic? Like from like your younger years or like just like when we were at home, like, what do you remember of the, di- the dynamic of like hanging out with John compared to those of us older and then compared to like the younger kids? Yeah. So especially thinking of when we were like a lot younger, like before high school, like elementary, middle school, it's interesting because John and I really weren't close when we were younger. We fought a lot. Like we did not, we butted heads, did not get along. So I feel like that's part of why I always felt closer to Jack and Samantha. Um, It just like naturally, like we kind of hung out more, especially Jack. Jack and I were kind of 
two peas in a pod in that sense. But yeah, I just felt like also just like being around them so much more, um, like growing up, like literally doing like history class with mom, with all of them and that kind of thing, just spending so much more time, like kind of built that glue kind of naturally to kind of Mm -hmm. bond us together a little bit more, which I think is natural. And I feel like that's kind of similar with the upper crust, the older court, (laughs) is you guys also spent more, you guys spent a lot of time together before the rest of us were even born, so. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you like describe it when people ask you, like when you are with friends or just other people outside of our family and you're talking about being a part of a big family, how do you describe the sibling dynamics? I say, so first off, I say that they're, they've changed a lot over the years as, as we've all gotten older and matured and kind of turned into the people that we've become. The dynamics have changed and I feel like we all have more of a relationship with each other than previously in a lot of ways, um, which, which again, I think is natural. Like when you're growing up, like when you're living together all the time, like fighting and stuff, like you're not going to be necessarily super close. Yeah, no, I just feel like as we've gotten older, at least speaking for myself, I've gotten like in a more mature sense. I don't know, like a stronger relationship with everyone. Rach, what about you? How do I describe it or how? Yeah. So like for me, like something that comes up all the time is people are shocked to hear about the like, like eight kids, no twins, all that stuff. And then 15 year age gap between the oldest and the youngest. And the, like, I would say the most common question is like, you know, who's close with who, or do the older and the younger people even know each other? Those kinds of questions. Like, (laughs) how do you describe that in your situation, Rachel? Um, so my social, my social circle out here in Italy, honestly, by the nature of the podcast, you probably come up the most like, <laughs> Oh, this is the sister from the podcast, right? Some people have like some knowledge based on, you know, that they listen, but honestly, not so many people actually really listen religiously out here. They just like know that I have a podcast and that I do it with a sister. The way I describe the family has changed based on my phase of life. Most recently, I focus a lot on like, the pandemic was when we realized that everybody was basically an adult or at least like we were all on a more even playing field with where our lives were and our maturity, um, which, you know, obviously is the first time that happened since some of us were literal babies while others were in high school. So that's been a lot of it recently. It's just talking about how while everybody struggled in different ways during the pandemic, one side effect was that we all started talking more and started talking a little more like peer to peer rather than just upper crust, lower crust, or like, you know, these are the adult problems that the upper crust we talk about that we didn't really want to burden the children with. Like this was the first time that we were like, Oh, it's not just like adults and children. We're all kind of at that same stage of life or getting there now. Um, So that's been a cool change that happened the last few years. It would have been great if it happened without a global pandemic, but it was at least one silver lining, I guess. It would have happened. Like, I think the timing is just kind of a coincidence on that, honestly, like to a degree and you could never know, but I feel like we all were just getting to those ages at that time anyway. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I I think you're right, but maybe just the the fact that we were doing some more intentional like group phone calls and stuff like that maybe was one catalyst. At least that's how I see it. Yeah, for sure. Beck, one thing that um, I wanted to ask, and it's actually a suggestion from somebody because you talked in your interview about Jonathan's wedding. You talked about sitting on the steps, waiting for the wedding to start talking to Devin about Spanish. (laughs) And Devin was like, 
Oh, wow. I forgot we did that. But when I heard her say it, like I totally remembered. Um, so tell us about your experience with like Spanish. Cause you're very good at Spanish and <laughs> that's been a big part of your life for a bit. So like what, what's your current status with that? And like, what's your interest level and everything? Yeah. So I studied it as my major in college. Um, I was a double major for a little bit, but then with the pandemic and everything that just wasn't going to happen. Um, but I stuck with Spanish. It's interesting because it honestly could have been any language. Like I just love learning languages in general. I love partly, I think it's like the organizational style of my brain. I really love being able to parse things out into parts. And to me, learning a language is a lot like math in a sense. I don't really know how to explain it. Um, it's just very logical to me. But I also just love the aspect of being able to open myself up to a whole new community. Like even just taking half a semester of Arabic was really cool because I've been able to randomly just like greet someone and that much is even unexpected. And just to me, like it's the most basic form of respect that you can show, especially if you're planning to travel somewhere, it's just being able to communicate with that person. Um, and I just think it's super interesting. So yeah, Spanish in particular, I just, I've loved it so much. I loved the Spanish program at JMU, which is where I went. And I loved all the people that I met, like in my major and everything. Um, I haven't unfortunately been practicing as much as I should. I'll like pull it out when I encounter someone who speaks Spanish, but otherwise I don't really use it in my day-to-day -day life because I'm not surrounded by um, many Spanish speakers. I'll practice with my roommate. She also speaks Spanish. So we'll like sometimes practice with each other, but we're not super good at keeping up with it. Um, but I do still hope, I know it was a big thing I was talking about right after graduation. And then a lot of things kind of got in the way, but I still hope to move abroad, potentially to Spain, not necessarily only Spain, there's chances of South America as well, but I would love to move to a Spanish speaking country, really just to work on my fluency first and foremost. Um, I feel like that's the best way that I can do it. And also um, I was supposed to travel abroad. Um, I was supposed to do a study abroad actually um, over a summer, but then COVID hit and so that never happened. But I still kind of have that itch to travel. It's funny because I remember on Jack's episode, he talked about that he actually doesn't really love traveling and doesn't feel mm -hmm. the need to do it a lot. And I like kind of actually, that resonates with me. I actually don't enjoy the process of traveling, but I challenge myself to do it because I want to see new things and experience new things. Like I want to travel, mm -hmm. but I don't actually love it. Like I find the process, like the physical traveling, very stressful. I find the planning of it very stressful, the logistics of it, the money, like I find it overwhelming. And I'm someone who's very much a homebody. I like to stay like at home with my cats, play some Wii, that kind of thing. I, I tend not to branch out too much, but honestly, I want to travel. And I've set that as a goal for myself because I want to break out of that shell and not let that dictate you know, just letting that basic comfort level dictate what I'm going to experience. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, great segue, because the next thing I was going to ask you about was your interest in travel, but that's such an interesting point. And Rachel, please chime in as you want, because I don't know if you'll have a different perspective than me on this, but it's interesting because like the immediate thing you said was the process of traveling. Like when you said that you don't necessarily, you can agree with Jack and you don't necessarily love traveling, but you specifically said the process. And I'd be very interested to hear from somebody who loves the process of traveling, like <laughs> specifically like packing, like lugging your bag and getting on a plane and sitting next to gross people and stuff like that. Like I, I would be shocked to hear if anybody specifically likes that. And I know that the process includes a lot more than that, but that's first what came to my mind. Um, but it is interesting because even the things of like, 
you know, you, you miss home and you want to like the second you get home, you feel really comfortable and you're really excited to be home from a trip and like, it's overwhelming and you're tired while traveling. Like as someone who really likes to travel, I still agree with all that stuff. So I'm, I'm almost wondering if like the idea of travel has like sort of an imposter syndrome attached to it. Like that's not, I don't think the exact right term, but something kind of in that vein where it's like, you think that you don't like traveling because you think that other people seem to be displaying like a love for it that you can't imagine. But like, maybe those people also feel way more close to the way you feel than you think. Does that make any sense? Slash Rachel, what do you, what do you got? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's very different now that it's not just you know, your family member literally shows you a a slideshow in the living room, right? Like we're inundated with influencers and all all this content that says traveling is the most amazing thing in the world. Um, Because even before that, like a trip abroad is a big deal. You save up money, you make plans um, and you build up all these expectations. So in a way it's like a magnified version of like when you're looking forward to a holiday and then you're just really disappointed after that day passes because you've been anticipating it so long like it's like that plus so much more because it's this big trip for a lot of people maybe it's a once in a lifetime thing Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think because it inherently involves a lot of expectations um, there's gonna be some disappointment or at least you've been thinking about the the exciting parts of it and not really anticipating the difficult parts of it. So that is, you know, that's always been part of traveling abroad. Add into all you see are these wonderful pieces of content that people are putting out about the good sides of traveling. So that kind of like adds on to the expectations, which then adds on to the disappointment. Um, And then I think you can have, you should have these wonderful moments while you're living it. And, and, you know, Sarah and I have talked about like that feeling of when you're in a different country um, and it's just really exciting and engaging um, and stimulating. But there's also, I think, a lot of utility in the looking back process once you have some time to get back to your home and, and settle back into your routine. And that's when you're really processing the memories and all the good things. And that's what you carry forward for years, right? Until you decide to record them on a podcast and carry them forward for even more years. But <laughs> yeah, I think it's like expectation management and like the impossibility of, of really getting that to a good balance because it's so fun to be excited and you absolutely should be excited and you shouldn't just be like, Oh yeah, I mean, it'll be great. And all about that plane ride. Like that shouldn't be the only thing you're focusing on and anticipating. Um, so it's just a balance. I think one thing too, that I always go back to is like thinking about even growing up, like we as a family would joke that I was like allergic to happy occasions and travel because I would always get sick <laughs> and I you would, would always- yeah. <laughs> So I think that's also another thing for me. It's like hard to get past like the like physical and mental toll of traveling too. I'm a very anxious person and um, I'm also a very, I get tummy aches a lot. (laughs) So it's hard to, you know, picture like a long flight or anything like that without also factoring in the fact that, oh, you know, I might not be feeling very well that day, that kind of thing. It kind of like, yeah, adds to the pressure of the expectations too. Yeah. To be super clear, I was by no means trying to imply that everyone has the same level of interest in travel. (laughs) We all just say it differently. Um, I was just intrigued by how similar the things you were saying were to like what I feel and just don't talk about as much because I'm like focusing on the positive things. So it's just like interesting to think about because I think it's very layered and that's just like one small part of it, but makes sense. Also at the 
even though I like getting home, I also don't have cats that I'm getting home to. And that's another level that changes things too. (laughs) But it's fascinating to me that you would say that like, you know, like you're excited to challenge yourself and you like will travel and you do want to travel and stuff. But it's interesting because you're starting with this level of being really interested in actually walking the walk. Well, saying walking the walk, that was the exact wrong terminology to use because I'm talking about learning a language. So really you're literally talking the talk uh, of like learning languages. And so it's fascinating to me because like, like I've been a lot of places and I know pretty much nothing beyond English. Um, not even a tiny bit of much of anything else. And so, but you haven't been a lot of places and you know, like you know, Spanish very, very well. And, you know, a little bit of Arabic, like, you know, a little bit of languages. So it's like interesting that you're doing the other side of it. And obviously they connect, but you're focusing so much on the language piece before you've even like really utilized that abroad, although for lots of reasons, but yeah. Yeah, no, it is kind of weird to know so much more about a language and groups of people and dialects and countries and all of these things without having been even close to any of them physically. It's, it's very weird. Yeah. Um, and listeners for your context, Becca, like, you know, referred to some of this stuff, but like her COVID thing, like study abroad, it's just such a bad timing situation. So when I talk about like, wow, I've been places and you haven't, it's just super circumstantial and unfortunate and really unfair. So <laughs> I'm not saying Becca's done anything wrong. Um, so where do you think you want to go first? Like if you were to hop on a plane and take an international trip? I think Spain, just because that's where I was supposed to go. So I've had it kind of in my head. I was supposed to specifically study in Salamanca for a summer, but honestly, anywhere, I'm just kind of at the point that I would love to just start experiencing more things. Very exciting. Rachel, I have another topic to veer into, but do you have anything before we continue? Um, Mine was kind of building off of the upper crust, lower crust, which we don't need to dwell on, but um, I'm very curious about this because I don't know that I paid too, too much attention about it in the moment. Um, But Becca, how, how much of a core memory is it when Sarah moved out of your room um, and how offended were you at like a deep level that she abandoned you? Okay. Before you answer that, first of all, another perfect segue, because that was my next topic. (laughs) Um, And secondly, we need to give context for the listeners. So I'll give my version and then you give your (laughs) answer, which will include your version. Um, Okay, so we've described our family size. And so anybody who doesn't like know us personally and hasn't seen our house, essentially, we lived in a house where we had two kids to a room um, growing up. So we had like four bedrooms for the kids (laughs) and Becca and I were roommates, Rachel and Sam were roommates. So then the boys were roommates with each other. And we also had a guest room in the basement and (laughs) we didn't have a lot of guests or a lot of use of that guest room. (laughs) And so I saw an opportunity of like, well, why do we have all of us sharing rooms and a room just going to waste? And so I approached our parents and I said, I would like the basement bedroom for me. I will live there instead of it being a guest room, except, well, I I said it will be a guest room when, you know, when we have guests come, I'll vacate. That's fine. I'll sleep anywhere. I'll take a couch and they can have the room. And so my proposal was accepted and I moved out and Rachel continued. Well, well, okay. So yeah, Rachel and Sam had been sharing, which also would love to know how we landed on that. 
<laughs> but Rachel and Sam were sharing. Sam was a baby also a, at this time. Like a literal <laughs> an actual baby. Um, and I mean, I guess I think I moved out. I think it was when I was like, I think 12, 11 or 12, maybe somewhere around 12. Um, so we've been living in that house for a couple of years. You and I were roommates for a couple of years. Rachel and Sam were roommates, but Sam never really lived in that room in that era that I know of. So maybe we'll get to that too, Rachel. But anyway, so that's my version of events. We had been roommates for a couple of years and then I took my opportunity and I moved out. Um, so now answer Rachel's question and maybe fill in if, if you remember anything differently. So I respect that. And, you know, thinking back, if I were you, I would have done the same, but also thinking back to me. <laughs> I had one less sister that day. Oh, I didn't know what this <laughs> I didn't know. And so, I mean, I had signed for the next lease. I thought that we were ready to go for another year. I had, I remember that you and I each had our own different, um, I think mine were Disney princess. We each had our own sticky notes and we would leave notes for each other on each other's beds. And I was like, I guess that's just done <laughs> years. <laughs> gone honestly mostly I was PO'd that I was gonna have to share with Sam I didn't want to <laughs> I didn't want to share with a baby <laughs> no I was not scarred by that. I, I honestly, respected the move mostly also I was kind of mad I didn't think of it first that's that well that's the moral of the story needed the basement room but I yeah there's no way to spin this that isn't just that I thought of it first there's absolutely yeah. no reason it should have been no, me before that <laughs> Um, I do not remember that I didn't consult you about it. I probably just didn't want to, like, I probably needed to keep my plan locked in. You know, I didn't want to spread the word, you know, because it all hinged on me being first. So if we're exactly. going around, someone else would have absolutely, absolutely jumped on that. Yeah. No, you, it, I remember you telling nobody, like, <laughs> I, I think it was a surprise to everybody. Yeah. Um, at least the way I remember it. I wish I remembered my presentation because I just, <laughs> I just remember all these things did happen. Like I remember being in the room with you and then being in the basement and I know why it happened and it changed, but I don't remember my conversation with mom and dad. Like maybe we should ask them about that. I want to get their account. Cause I, like, I was I nervous. What was I wearing? You know, like how did I, how did I gather them? Like what? I would imagine actually I probably have. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I know I did not do an actual PowerPoint, but had it been like a year or two later, I totally would have done that. <laughs> I'm guessing I probably talked to mom about it and I was like you should talk to dad about this but what a good plan I just came up with am I right <laughs> um yeah it's a crazy move <laughs> I will say that there were quite a few things that I protested growing up like quite literally made signs and protested in, <laughs> in our home and that was one of them so I don't think I was that mad about it nice the Rich dentist was one but not that <laughs> Rachel, do you remember when you and baby Sam were roommates? Like, do you remember actually, am I correct to say that you guys didn't really live in the same room at any point or was she, were there time, were there nights in those bunk, bunk beds? Um, I, I can confirm that I, for the entirety that I lived in that house, I had my own room. There was like, I, I, I remember a handful of nights where she would like start there and then I would just like plop her off at mom and dad's room, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I, it was, I had my own room for like the whole time. Now I will, I will caveat that it was the smallest bedroom. So I like had no qualms about like leaning into that. Um, and then it was convenient timing that right around when she was getting big enough to like spend the full night <laughs> in that room was when I got to pawn her off on back. Um, when I made my move. 
Yeah. I mean, again, I guess I was protecting myself by not telling you about this plan, Rachel, but this was as good for you as it was for me because you would have had an, a toddler roommate for years, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the long-term plan on that one was, but <laughs> you figured it out for all of us. So I, thank you. I genuinely don't remember how we decided that Becca and I would share in you. I think maybe it, you know what it probably was because Sam was a baby. And so mom and dad knew that it would kind of be that you had your, like, since you were the oldest girl, it was like, you would kind of have your own room for a while. And maybe we were just not thinking long-term about what happens when she's not a baby. Yeah. I mean, that's basically how I remember it. Um, and I don't think, I, I don't remember like scheming and coming up with any plan on my own of, of like what the next step would be. Like by the time I would have gotten to that point, you would already figured it out. So I didn't know. already <laughs> schemed. <laughs> But it is fascinating though, Rach, that we wouldn't have like preferred to be roommates with each other. Like when we were moving into that house, it just seems like it would have been within character for you and I to be like, obviously we'll share a room and obviously the younger girls can share a room. Like anyway, I was 100% embracing the, I have my own room (laughs) storyline. All right. Well then that part was probably you. (laughs) And then the next part was me. But Becca, do you remember anything else about our time as roommates in childhood? I didn't remember the notes thing. I remember that we um, signed, I forget if it was the wall outside our closets or mm-hmm. what, but we signed it before it got painted. And we, I think we also signed somewhere else in the room too. So yeah, I think we all did that. Like you mean when we lived in the house or before it was done? When it was being built. Yeah, yeah. So our house was, again, for the listeners, our house <laughs> was like, we're the first family to live in it. It was like built and then we moved in. Um, and so we would visit it a couple of times, like while it was under construction. And I think we all did that in all the rooms. Like, I think that was probably the day we assigned rooms and we we're just imagining them. I remember, I guess it, it would have been around the same time. It wasn't, um, when we were, it wouldn't have been from our bedroom window, but I do remember doing fire drills around that time as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was from Rachel's room actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wait, Becca, just say the thing about the fire drill. It's yeah, too no, funny. Should I say my line? Yeah. Okay. So we had a plan for not if, but when there was a fire. I was convinced, like, from what I understood at age five, I was under the impression that a fire was happening, going to happen soon. And um, this was just what we were going to do, not, okay, in the case of, crazy circumstances a fire happens now when a fire is going to happen here's what we're going to do i knew how to put the ladder together and put it outside the window starting age five i knew that and we would climb down and then we would run across the street to our neighbors across the street but at the time no one had moved in so we didn't know who was going to live there so we didn't say oh go across to the smith's house it was just go across the street and so i had a line for just whoever was going to live there my name is becca belch i lived across the street and my house is on fire (laughs) <laughs> it's the introduction and the my house is on fire being the yeah, end of that the part. Sentence. And I was supposed to point at the house. <laughs> the house that's on fire. You couldn't, couldn't tell which one was on fire. Yeah. At what point do you think you realize the house might not catch on fire? I still have nightmares. No. <laughs> I um it took a long time, but I still was pretty sure it was gonna catch on fire. Like soon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk about is that you and I were roommates again in recent years. Run it back. (laughs) No sticky notes this time. Actually, there might have been definitely sticky notes. notes. (laughs) All right. Tell the listeners about that situation. (laughs) So it was summer of 2020. Was it, I think it was like June, July. 
um, mm -hmm. into August, I moved in with you and your place in Arlington. And um, at that house, you lived in the basement and you had this kind of like section off away from your bed that was like almost like it could be its own little room. Um, mm -hmm. So we put an air mattress there, a nice big like queen, I think it was like a queen size, full size mm -hmm. air mattress, <laughs> not like a skimpy little thing. Um, and so I lived there for a few months, um, ate a lot of loaded tots and um, watched a lot of Reba, good amount of Reba. <laughs> so much Reba. <laughs> Did some karaoke, good amount of karaoke. Um, yeah, no, it was super fun. This conversation is making me realize that Sarah probably has a higher than average ratio of basement dwelling. Um, would you say that you prefer the underground or that <laughs> you just make the most of a situation? Well, it's funny that you say that because as Becca said, with her, like, as she was saying, oh, it's not if it's when we have a fire. That's how I felt my entire teen years of it's not if, but when I get murdered in this basement. <laughs> Again, the same basement that I asked to live in <laughs> that I proposed should be my room. Um, that's where the guest room was, was the basement. So yeah, I lived in that basement. And then, well, so the context too of the basement Becca lived in with me in Arlington is that this house we moved into we moved in with three roommates but it turned into four of us because oliver devon's boyfriend moved in like when COVID hit there were like three rooms upstairs but two of them were really tiny and then there were only there were two bath full bathrooms up there but then the whole basement there was a full bathroom down there and just the entire basement was like a great space for someone to live and so it was so much space. Like Becca was saying, it was kind of ridiculous. And it was just my room. Like there was a door to the basement and then you, you open the door and you're in my room <laughs> and it's the whole basement with the bathroom attached. It was so nice. So it just felt so silly for like three of us to live upstairs and share two bathrooms just to leave that basement like empty. So I was like, so I have some experience with basement dwelling and I'd be willing to take one for the team for this big basement, but no, I would not say I prefer it. It was like, it was, it was great for the amount of space and it was like brighter than the average basement. Like there were, it wasn't, it was still pretty dark because basements are dark, but the windows were like a little bit bigger than the like tiny little windows that a lot of basements have, but doing a year and a half of pandemic living in that basement was like, I hope to be my retirement from basement living. I think I'm done after that. Enough basement time. Yeah. I find myself when I've apartment searched since then, um, when I moved to Denver, I was very adamant about no basements, which actually I did live in a basement for a hot second, but that was while I was finding my apartment. Um, so that was my retirement. I forgot about that already. But um, the whole time I was looking for apartment, seriously, I was like, under no circumstances am I living in another basement. I think I was going to say more about the COVID basement roommates thing, but Reba loaded tots. That's pretty much the vibe. It's just <laughs> Becca was cockroach. living. <laughs> Becca was living with like, I would say few to none commitments and responsibilities on that air mattress in a house with four people who were working from home full time. <laughs> so the, it's just unique. I think it's a very unique setup. And like her impression of us was like, you know, it's, it's not often you get to watch corporate 20 somethings like all day at their job. <laughs> she got to do that. She would have dreams, like she'd be asleep and I'd be in the same room in meetings. <laughs> and she'd have dreams that were filled in by the dialogue of my meetings. Sarah would narrate my dreams for a time. <laughs> so 
most boring, most mundane dreams of my life. Do you remember that time, Becca, you woke up and you were so, you were just like so stressed and grumpy and you were just mad at this guy named Dave because I had been on a call talking about my coworker named Dave, but he was the villain of your dream while that happened. Very funny. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite a time. I, I would love to know if there's anybody else who has a similarly aligned experience of like being the college kid in a house full of <laughs> corporate 20 somethings who were like, you were convinced that Oliver, I can say this cause this was a different job of his back then. So this says nothing about Oliver now. Uh, but I remember you thinking that he was so busy cause he would work from the main floor. So if we like went upstairs to the kitchen for stuff, you'd be like kind of close to Oliver's working space. And I think for a while you thought that he was much busier than he was. And eventually you <laughs> realized that every time he was like really focused on his laptop grinding, he was playing chess.com. Nice. Like he was not. <laughs> so I hope that that I would like to think, um, actually, no, here's a question. I'm not going to assume I'm going to ask, what do you think that did for you as like a college student who was like, you were kind of in the business space and you ended up working your like IT job and you've moved into that sort of a space in your career since graduating. What do you think that living with us in that era, like did for your mindset of what corporate life would be like, or what the like working world would be like for a young professional? So I think it's weird. Cause I knew that it was weird even for you guys. Cause it was COVID and you guys were adjusting yeah. to working from home under circumstances that you weren't planning to work from home. So I knew kind of that it was not the norm, but it also opened me, opened my eyes up to how awesome it is to work from home. Like I can probably <laughs> say like, because I lived with you during that period, I knew that I would love working from home and that it's, and it's definitely something that I do enjoy doing. So I feel like that mostly just gave me the exposure to knowing remote work was very doable and <laughs> um, sometimes more fun. <laughs> <laughs> but like from seeing me in my meetings, you know, like I feel like before I assumed that knowing what my job was and knowing what my like major was in you and like, you know, maybe our other siblings would think that like, maybe I'm a very intense professional, but you saw me in meetings where I'm chatting about, <laughs> you know, video or what would I chat about movies and stuff like I don't know like you would see like kind of all sides of what my day would look like like did it take away any sort of like intimidation yes especially seeing kind of how lax the meeting styles were even for things like even with meetings with clients and things like that like they were professional but they weren't like the stressful environment that I would have anticipated um but also then I didn't know what you did so <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, obviously not going to say the specifics on the podcast, but a hundred percent, even after sitting through two months straight of all day, every day me working, there's no way Becca could tell anybody about what my job was. No, I had no idea. <laughs> I I sat in on some, I replaced you in at least one <laughs> meeting pretending to be you and I still don't know. But then again, I was also playing a lot of Minecraft during the meeting. So where was my attention <laughs> during the meeting? I'm like, Becca, focus. <laughs> Uh, all right, cool. Well, I, I know that's probably a little bit boring content for a podcast, but I've never really asked you that. And I've always been curious. So hopefully it's interesting for people to hear. If anybody I listening has imposter syndrome about the corporate world, just know that you can be on an air mattress playing Minecraft and <laughs> it's fine. Fit right in. 
Um, I still get Snapchat memories of me waking up at like 2 (laughs) p.m. Being like, good morning. And you're in the background, like in your seventh meeting of the day. Um, All right. Well, we're going to move to our final little segment. Rachel, I'm going to kick it to you for our Mr. Memory segment. Cool. All right. So um, first, a little bit of a warm up. Um, This is like a mini one. Um, Becca, do you have any trauma associated with tomatoes? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What what do you remember? (laughs) I didn't know I remembered this, but I'm getting a memory of being pelted with a tomato by Joe in the kitchen. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) yeah, it hurt. (laughs) Exactly. I... I can't remember if I was there or if this is just like I was in the other room and I heard something and I came in. Um, But basically, Joe's intrusive thoughts completely won. And like, (laughs) you you were just like a child. You were like singing and dancing in the family room. And Joe was doing that thing where you like open up the fridge and see what's what, you know, hope the close it and then open it again a second later to see what changed. So Becca's just like living her life, you know, dancing at like, I, there was a, maybe a song playing or a TV show on, I'm not sure, but you were like in your moment, just like being a helpless little kid and Joe saw this tomato and just like looked up and looked at you and just threw it at you as though you were like an act on stage. <laughs> no, it very much is giving that episode of SpongeBob when Squidward performs. It's worth every penny. Yeah, no, exactly what it was. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember uh, that? And that's exactly how I remember it. I remember him being at the fridge and me being like barely aware that he was even in the room. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I was just pelted with the tomato. <sighs> yeah, that was the mini one. That was um, a good one because I didn't remember that I knew that. And then it just unlocked a <laughs> memory. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really not sure how old you were, but it's like that perfect age where it could have gone either direction with you actually remembering it. Cool. All right. So this next one, if there's substance to it, we'll keep it. Otherwise, you know, if it doesn't go anywhere, then fine. But um, Fiddler's Picnic. Do you remember like your your musical career? You can say it. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. <laughs> what do you remember about your musical career specifically in the Fiddler's Picnic? So... It all started with a harmonica (laughs) and um, our aunt had let me pick out something from because they had all these different vendors there and there was a little music booth. So she let me pick out a harmonica and I was like, yep, I know how to play that. And (laughs) boiler alert, I did not, but that did not (laughs) stop me. (laughs) Um, I remember it came with a little instruction sheet to like give you the basics of how to do it. And I think I read the instruction sheet, um, but I just figured out if you just blow really hard, then that is probably the same thing. So that's what I did. <laughs> and I, <laughs> um, anyway, I somehow also acquired a pair of shades and um, made my way over. So the event itself was this outdoor picnic with um, just a bunch of different people with their own instruments. And then they would kind of like band together in different groups, depending on what songs different people were playing. And you could kind of like come and go to different groups. Um, But it was all people who knew how to play the instrument that they were playing. Um, And then me. (laughs) And um, I found a group. I don't know. I don't remember exactly how I picked the one that I did or how they found me or what. But somehow (laughs) we all came together. (laughs) 
and um, they let me sit with them and I put my shades on <laughs> and um, I played my harmonica and they were playing a real song. Like they actually sounded good. And I think that they were loud enough to drown me out. So it kind of looked like I was sort of there, <laughs> but um, no, it was very fun. I remember there were some fun pictures from that day and um it was really funny having our cousin charlie be a part of that he, he i think he's <laughs> the one who probably instigated it when i'm thinking back yeah, yeah. i think he kind of probably i think that's where the shades came from and i think that's it's definitely where the shades came from right yeah. <laughs> um yeah so basically these were like jam sessions going on and since this is an annual event i'm sure a lot of the musicians like know each other or like meet up every year but it, it it was very much an environment where someone could just walk up with their instrument and join in so I remember you like bouncing around from a few different groups you know with your manager Charlie kind of helping you out um which I, I don't find one that fit my vibe exactly you, you found your tribe and, and it went better from there um do you remember anything else so you mentioned the shades do you remember anything else about like your fit and like what the, what the look was um I remember, I remember I was wearing um, one of my favorite shirts at the time. It was like a shirt that Josh had gotten me from, I want to say Abercrombie and Fitch. And it was one of those shirts that I wore like all the time because it was um, from Abercrombie. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, but it was like green. And then I was wearing like bright pink shorts and a bright pink tank. I think I want to say it was very late elementary school early middle school Becca at the time for sure lots of yeah. bright colors and I remember you having two French braids which like really yes, fit braids. In. yeah yep. really fit in with all the the musicians out there um okay and then do you remember there's like in in the the group that you ultimately ended up playing with the most there was this one guy that was like really engaging with you do you remember him or like any any notable physical characteristics or anything that we talked about when you I remember I remember a couple of them um and I remember the I think the one that you're talking about we saw a few times even the years after um he was like weirdly tan like it looked like like a spray tan (laughs) um (laughs) that's what I remember uh and he was they were all like a lot older like white hair and I don't remember any of their names but I do have one of their CDs somewhere at mom and dad's mm. house oh I, I didn't know one of, them had, one of them had like a self-recorded album and they gave me a copy and I was like oh yeah like let me know when you're doing the next one. Oh, that's funny I didn't know that okay so this guy the, the main tan guy do you remember what celebrity we decided he looked like this may have been like an upper crust conversation but um <laughs> Give me like a, like a hint or like a, like, is it someone from like a movie or a, like a TV show? Um, Rach, I'm going to ping you my guess. Just you don't say it out loud. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He is, he's very much a film actor um, now, but he got started on a TV show. Uh, Nope. No, Sarah's wrong. Wait, what's your guess? I want to hear your guess. I'll say it after, uh, after we get the answer. I don't, but I think Tina does. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll just say it then because I don't think anybody's going to remember. Well, Sarah, what's your guess? My guess was going to be Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> but then oh, you, said movie, you said movies. I, so then I was like, I don't know that he's gotten oh, into yeah. movies. Oh, no, that's a great answer. Um, I remember we, I, again, this may have just been like me and the boys, but we we talked about that he looked like Henry Winkler, um, the Fonz. 
like older um, years. Well, you know, I, I actually see that, that yeah. now. No, I definitely see that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And look, Henry Winkler with a bad tan. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Sweet. Yeah. No. I. My favorite part about it, it was just that, like you, you, like you said, you got that harmonica that day, but like the way you were playing your character, nobody would have known that you weren't creating music with the harmonica. Like whatever sounds you were coming out, like completely and just. <laughs> integrating into this jam session um and it was just so much fun we were like just trailing you around as you bumped bumped around from group to group until you you found the one group and uh it was just a lot of fun no it was so fun I remember like bouncing around to different groups and like some of them like the song was too slow or I didn't quite fit in with the vibe but then we found that last group and I stuck with them for a while like for yeah it was maybe a lot of songs (laughs) for like most of that day I was with them (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say that like I almost thought that you got pulled in without intending to like you got the harmonica and then you didn't intend to but a hundred percent you were being pushed by your manager or cousin absolutely <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to join I, I definitely charge. I feel like I remember there being like maybe at least like a half hour of like come on we got to get Becca to join one of these bands <laughs> hey you know what props to him he saw the talent he saw that I really had something and um you know I'm glad that he pushed me that day you know what was extra brave of you mm-hmm. uh was performing especially performing in something you're not experienced in when you have had tomatoes thrown at you during what was perceived <laughs> as a bad performance in your past <laughs> I really took a risk there I mean I I looked for tomatoes I didn't see any around for worst case I got a funnel cake thrown at me and I was <laughs> oh man yeah this fiddler's picnic thing is really fun by the way um i we haven't been ourselves in a little while but it I happens it. every year yeah i want to go back so fun uh anything else rach anything else to add to that story no no that was that's just a fond one um and i'm glad that we had some good details from it um so my last thing was just gonna be becca do you have any questions for us um about the podcast or just questions in general what do you got I would say like how has your maybe like comfort level changed as you've been doing the podcast more like were you more nervous at the beginning with like how conversations would go how to interview people what types of things you wanted to include in episodes things like that or has it like was it always kind of like natural to you from the start I think um we were like hyper cognizant of privacy in the beginning um and it's not that we aren't anymore we've just like settled into a routine with it um and gotten you know pretty good at it rather like before we were like oh should I say that oh should I say this you know like now we've got a pretty good flow of of what we're going to include what we're going to take out how we reach out to our friends and make sure it's okay that we talk about them or whatever like that just took a you know a month or two of like getting the hang of um in terms of like comfort I I don't know that I was ever really nervous about it Um, maybe like an overshare right like am I getting too personal with things um but I think we did a really good job in the first episode of and we had a lot of conversations leading up to it which is is really the preparation that helped um so I think we just knew what we wanted to get out of it um and while it has like evolved and gone in some directions that we didn't exactly anticipate I think 
um, we had some very intentional conversations leading up to it, which helped us just like lay some good boundaries of what we wanted it to be, what we were comfortable with sharing and how we would handle that balance between what we want out there and what we don't want out there. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say pretty much all the same thing with the like preparation being key. Cause I feel like we just wanted to avoid having like episodes out there and then suddenly feel like starting to think about things in a way we hadn't thought about them before. So I feel like we really did ourselves a favor by like thinking through everything ahead of time so that we could just free up that brain space and not worry. Like we kind of overprepared almost. Um, I think it's gotten, I don't know. I feel like the talking part and the just like flow of conversation, I don't really feel like it's changed too much besides that we'll reference ourselves and we'll reference things we've already said and we'll reference like people that have been introduced before. Like, I feel like it just has built off of each other in a way that like, that's the only difference I can think of. And we didn't anticipate necessarily. I think we did talk about like having guest episodes and stuff like that, but like the wedding series, for instance, like that was an idea that we had a little bit before we like you know, took it and ran with it. That wasn't an idea we had before we started the podcast. So I feel like we've had creative ideas that we didn't like necessarily think we would have in the beginning, which is fun. Um, and we'll start teasing more of that, but there's more to come in the future for sure. Um, but as far as like our conversation flow and comfort level with how we talk, I don't really know that there's been much of a difference, but I don't think that either of us was super nervous about how we talk. Like, I think this would have been a disaster from the start if one of us was like, had like stage fright for less of a better term. You know what I mean? And I think we've been pretty consistent in that regard. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I only asked because like, I was like nervous, like I'm nervous for this kind of thing. So I was curious if like either of you had those nerves at the beginning or if it was just not something that really even crossed your mind. I think... I don't know. I, I've probably felt nervous. I don't want to just be cocky, but I think in general, I just try not to overthink things. And I knew signing up for running a podcast and doing it this much, like if I would have, I don't know. Okay. So a better way to phrase this is like, I've heard that some people like get more and more confident with like their public speaking by doing things that are way outside of their comfort zone. So this is not to say that if I had been nervous to talk on a podcast, that it never would have changed. That actually probably, probably would have been all the reason too. Um, but I don't know if that's like been too much of a thing for me or for Rachel. I wonder too, I guess one question that goes along with this though, is like, for me, one thing that I think helps with comfort level is that when I do the editing, I'm like, I feel, first of all, a very strong sense of control. I think it would make me a little nervous if I didn't really remember what I had said and somebody else was in charge of like that being published to the world. Um, but also like it, I can hear it before it goes out and like the, you know, how horrible it is to hear your own voice that has been desensitized long ago. That was desensitized before the podcast though, because I used to do those Snapchat vlogs with my friends. So <laughs> That's long gone, but, um, so that I think the editing thing. So I actually sometimes wonder if Rachel has a harder time with this than I do, because I'm the one listening to it before it goes out. And I don't have any of that, like nerves or like wondering how I sound. I would say like, I have a pretty, like, there's definitely times where I'm listening back to the episodes and there's conver like directions the conversation took that I don't remember. And like, all that kind of Same. stuff or like 
wasn't paying as close attention as I thought I was to what other people were saying. And very same. (laughs) It hurts so bad when somebody like said a funny thing and I didn't acknowledge it the right way or whatever, Like whether (laughs) it's a comment of ourselves or more often if there was somebody else, like, you know, if there were three of us and we had a guest. So sorry if that happened today, (laughs) but we'll see in editing. Um, I think in terms of nerves, like the closest I have is like, um, I, I'm not really good at like promoting the podcast or like encouraging people to like, I don't bring it up all that much. Like if it comes up I'll be like, yeah, you know, yeah. like I just for fun do this podcast with my sister. Um, but like, I get a little more nervous about like recommending that people come listen to it. Um, cause then like, you know, they could pass judgment after they've been exposed to it. Like the, the crowd that we have that listens to it right now is so wholesome and, um, like exactly who I would want to listen to it. So if I'm making new friends or bringing it up for the first time to pre-existing friends, like it's hard for me to be like, yeah, you should listen to it. Like if anything, I'll be like, yeah, it's just this thing that I do, whatever. Um, and like kind of underplay it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I like sort of have a podcast (laughs) would you consider yourselves influencers Rachel (laughs) no (laughs) not even a little bit like what would I influence no (laughs) like we would crumble so fast (laughs) once like if we started seeing some revenue maybe but like (laughs) you have to be rich to be an influencer yeah, exactly. Like, n- n- no. And that would require a level of effort that I have zero intention of putting into like my image and content, like taking it in a very specific direction. Like there's just no part of that that is in any way something that I would do. Um, We have several segments that we do. And the only one I wanted to bring up for this episode was do you Becca or Rachel if you've had any recently have any podcast recommendations for our listeners so aside from my favorite podcast booted sisters we'll see at the end of the year when your Spotify rap comes out (laughs) okay all right okay all right before I make any bold claims (laughs) I can be held to in a court of law all right one of my favorites um I have been listening to wiser than me with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and um, I enjoy that a lot. It's just her interviewing a bunch of um, famous women from different industries. And it's it's cool for like an introduction to each of those women, but also just in a very like casual conversation style. So it's very comfortable. And then always armchair expert with Dak Shepard. Rachel, have you I listened have, to Wiser Than Me? I like have an episode downloaded, um, but I haven't actually listened to it yet. So it's definitely been on my radar for some plane ride or another um but i haven't gotten to it yet so i'm glad that you reminded me that i should go and listen because who doesn't love julia louis dreyfus <laughs> um okay and then real quick on the topic of like how rachel and i don't even want to talk like promote our own podcast like when we're talking <laughs> to friends if you were to promote our podcast to people becca like if you were to be talking to somebody and suggest that they listen what would you say about our podcast to like sell it to your friend It is a great method to get hip to Belshi lore (laughs) of all kinds, varieties, and it's fun for anyone who's interested in travel because I really, I personally view it very much as like a travel-based podcast. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, like I, I say the travel thing too, and then like the family, like I definitely tell my friends like 
if you listen to this podcast, you're going to learn a lot about my family. Um, so I feel like that's accurate. Rach, what would you say if you were to, would you say the travel thing? Yeah, I think it, that's a lot of, of what I associate with it. I'm, I'm really glad that the family part kind of took a bigger role than we initially anticipated. Like that's been some of my favorite is just like, you know, getting into these memories. And I guess for me, that's, that is something, even though I say that it wasn't something we anticipated, um, in my mind, I, I was really inspired by when we were listening to the, um, the sisters podcast back in 2020 mm-hmm. with, um, Chanel yeah. Miller and her sister, Chanel Miller wrote know my name. And, um, that's a really good memoir. If anybody hasn't read it, it's very heavy, but it's super good. And she's an incredible writer. And she and her sister made a podcast that's called childhood that it didn't run for very long, but it was so wholesome and very, very cute and fun. And it was out in 2020. And I think I must've been a hundred percent would have been that I found it, listened to a few. And then I told Rachel about it and Rachel, you listened to it while you were going through a lot in Japan and you would like email me about it and stuff. Yeah. And it like, so they had some really fun, like the whole basis of it was that they would have these fun conversations and in in a different way, they were doing what we're doing, where it's like, they bring up memories that maybe they hadn't talked about before. And it was really fun. And that we like use it as a basis for our conversations during 2020. So like, that was when I found out that Sarah had always wished she was a twin and like stuff like that, (laughs) where you like, you just have these conversations that you hadn't had before. So Yes, I, I I think I see it more as a travel podcast, but I'm really glad that the family element has really taken a strong hold on it as well. Um, and that's in terms of recording, that's one of the things I look forward to the most going down memory lane in like a fun way and like revealing things, you know, like, yeah, I, that, I think that would be my selling point. It's like, it's sort of gossipy, sort of family, sort of travel. It's got something for everyone. Yeah, we got to bump up our eavesdrop content again. I feel like that was that's dropped off a little bit, but this is at core an eavesdropper's podcast. <laughs> First and foremost. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, I said that that was my last question, I think, but I do have one other question. Has there been anything that has come up on our podcast that you a have been outraged, like is incorrect information or like not how you would have described it? or like anything that's super comes to mind, like that was like a really big deal of something you like learned from the podcast or something like that <laughs> in your experience listening as our sister. Um, There isn't anything that I've been like, that was absolutely incorrect. I would correct it if I could kind of thing. Mostly I'll find myself like wanting to talk back to you guys, <laughs> like either in response or like adding on to something. Like if you make a reference to like arrested development or something, I just want to keep going off of it kind of thing mm-hmm. as if we're having a conversation. But yeah, no, there isn't anything that's been glaringly like false. Cool. I would have commented. <laughs> I love yeah, that exactly. That the Belshi form of conversation is literally just um, continuing a quotation right like that that's just like our love language is just like seeing how far we can take a film or tv reference it's far <laughs> it's very far depending on what it is it's really sure. far <laughs> awesome all right well i think that's all we've got thanks for uh hanging with us and talking so much telling everyone about your cats and those basement days <laughs> it's been really great to have you on um, listeners, a reminder to let us know, maybe in the comments of this episode post, who you think sounds like who, if you think Becca sounds like one of us or just her own. 
if I phrase it that way, everyone's going to be like, no, she has her own voice. Okay. Obviously she has her own voice, but who does she sound more like? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I know um, my agent set this up and everything. But, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. I normally turn down interviews, kind of try to stay out of the public eye. So uh, happy to make an exception though. Yeah. Thank you so much. Tell Fluff I'm, I'll be happy to email her again soon to set up the next interview. <laughs> yeah. We can pencil it in. We'll see. <laughs> Everyone keep an eye out for Becca's harmonica EP dropping next week. Um, available anywhere that you get this podcast. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everyone. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. And take some classes there. And so, (laughs) Fina, you want to say hi? (laughs) Bad to the bone. (laughs) Hi, Peanut. (laughs) Peanut, say hi to the listeners. Are you a little scrunchy munchy? (laughs) She looks like a cat who's working because she's on Zoom. (laughs) Peanut. Business cat. She responds immediately. Becca, this cat, I know we already talked about your cats, but this cat is not normal. <laughs> she, she in like, so many ways. The two of you are constantly communicating and on the exact same, like speaking the same language somehow. I know I have hundreds of videos um, that don't even cover the millions of conversations that we have on the beach. So <laughs> just only, she'll wait for my response. She, that's the only time she's polite, really, is when we're conversing. So she'll wait for my response, let me say what I want to say, and then she'll have an attitude about it.